0: Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm excited to preach today uh, for our last, hopefully, God willing, live last uh, full-on live stream before we meet together at Heart House um, today. I guess is technically my first message I'm preaching as a reverend. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I got I got ordained a couple weeks ago uh, by God's grace, and um, right before I came up here, I got a text from uh, one of our uh, members, Susie Lee, and she goes, Reverend. Uh, this is your first message as a, uh, as a reverend, so uh, it better be good. <laughs> but anyways, I'm just going to preach the Word of God, so we'll see what happens. And may the Holy Spirit move. So as Pastor Susie mentioned, we're on a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, um, based off of Matthew chapter 6, but there's also an account of the Lord's Prayer in the book of Luke as well. Um, when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, um, it's following a question that the disciples, the followers of Christ have asked Jesus himself, teach us how to pray. And in response to that, Jesus teaches this, this template, let's say. And the reason why we're doing a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer is this year, um, as you may know, we are focusing on, as a church, being grounded in both the Word of God and in prayer. And when it comes to the Word of God, we've been doing the year, year-long Bible study and uh, we've been getting into the Sermon on the Mount in our house churches. Um, but something that we as a staff and we as a church really believe that God is leading us, He wants to ground us in prayer. Uh, that is the reason why we're going through this series. And so um, I pray that each and every one of us as a body and individually, we would, we would practice this. We would apply this. We would not just be merely listeners of the Word, but doers of the Word as well. Um. I grew up in church reciting every Sunday the Lord's Prayer. Uh, It was um, part of our liturgy, part of just something that we recited every week. And it's something that we haven't been doing as a church here at New Philly, actually. And so um, I don't know if we're going to be making, uh, we're going to be doing this as a weekly thing. But I do want us to, uh, before we get into the message, from where you are, uh, if we can just recite it together. If we can recite it together. Um, so I'm going to start. Let's recite it together. One voice, even us in the room. Uh, one, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Um, last week, uh, David, Pastor David preached and started off the sermon series in the beginning with Our Father in Heaven. And he preached a powerful message as a new father himself. Um, he, pray, he, uh, he preached a message that said that when we pray, we are to approach God in confidence as God's children. Uh, that is why Jesus himself, as the Son of God, in the beginning addresses When we ask, Lord, how do we pray? Teach us how to pray. Jesus says, approach Him as a Father first. That is a primary identity that we are to approach God when we pray. And when that happened, at the time, it was a revolutionary thing that happened. When Jesus uh, addressed God Almighty, when Jesus addressed Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel, as Father, it changed everything. Um, That invitation and that access was given to each and every one of us. That perfect intimacy that Jesus had with the Holy Spirit and the Father, that Trinitarian intimacy, you and I were invited in to that same intimacy. And because Jesus, as the Son of God, as He went upon that cross, addressing God as Father, up until He took upon the 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 sin of the world upon his shoulders, when he was hanging on that cross, he addresses God not as Father, but as Lord. And he says, Lord, Lord, why have you forsaken me? And he's pointing to the fact that Jesus, he was forsaken as a son. That perfect intimacy that, that was there for eternity was broken, breaking the heart of the Father, breaking the heart of the son, he was forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that you and I could be invited into this family as sons and daughters, addressing our God as our Abba Father. Hallelujah. It's kind of like this. My father, his name was Seungkyung, Park Seungkyung. Uh His English name was Peter. Uh, the thing is, when I approached my father, um, because of the culture I grew up in, I'd never ever call him Peter. 안녕하세요, Peter. You know, Hi, Peter. How was your day, Peter? I would never do that. Because in our culture, we go by the title, "appa," Abba, Abba, father. And the reason why, I know that it's cultural, but it signifies respect and honor. Respect and honor. And the reason why I'm sharing this is, uh, today... We're going to be going into the next part of the sermon, which is, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Not only do we approach God as Father, but we approach God with reverence. We approach God with the fear of the Lord as well. Because God is God, and He is not a man. I want to say this quote that sums it up by Tim Keller, and I love this. It says, The only person who dares to wake up a king at 3 a.m. to ask for a glass of water, the only person who dares to do that to a king is a child. And you and I, we have that same access. Our father is our father, but our father is the Lord of the universe. Our father is the king of kings. Our father holds the name above all names. So Jesus continues in praying, and teaching us how to pray, saying, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. What does this mean? Because this is not everyday language we use, right? We don't don't use the word hallow. Hallowed be your name. Like if Asher came to, you know, David as a father one day. He shared this example last week. Like, imagine if you said, hallowed be your name. Like, I, I I revere your name. Like, it just doesn't resonate in our hearts. It doesn't make sense. So I want to go into that today. The word hollow, in, the hollow in Greek is hagiazo. Hagiazo. What it means to hollow is to make holy, to treat as holy, to set apart as holy. And this is interesting. The, the word hollow means to sanctify. I did a word study on this word it says to sanctify. And that struck me, that that was strange. Because when it says, Hollow be your name, God, how does that how does that match? Lord, let your name be sanctified. Because when I think of the word sanctify, I think about how you and I, as sinners who are not godly and you know needing to be conformed to the image of Christ, we are being sanctified. We are being made holy. But what does it mean that we sanctify God's name? And I like uh, how John Piper says it very simply. He says, When God sanctifies us, it means that he makes us holy. But when we sanctify God, it means that we treat him as holy. It means that we treat God as holy. Because God does not need to be sanctified. What needs to be sanctified is our view of God and our our approach to God, which means this. Why is this important in this prayer? When we say, hallowed be your name, it can be both a declaration, declaring God glory to your name. God, as we sang earlier, God hallowed be your name. Your name is holy. We declare that. But The thing is here, In this part, it also means we pray this as a petition. We pray this as a prayer request. When we pray, our Father, hallowed be your name. Our Father, declaring who He is, hallowed be your name. We're saying, we're praying a petition. We're praying, Lord, let your name be made holy in my life. Let your name be sanctified in the way that I live. It's a request. As we approach Him each and every day. hallowing God is to treat as absolutely sacred, as absolutely ultimate, and absolutely supreme in our lives. It basically means this. Let your name be kept holy. Let your name be treated with reverence. Let your holy name be glorified. That's what it means. So it says here, hallowed be your name. Name. Hallowed be your name. What's God's name? What's God's name? Because my earthly father, his name is not Abba, actually. That's his title. What is God's name? Because it says here, Jesus teaching. Let's pray. Hallowed be your name, God. It says clearly in Exodus chapter 3. We're going to read through it together. Let's read it. I have it up here for us. It says, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, He's introducing his name, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So God introduces his name to his people as I am. Hey God, what's your name? I am. What? Nobody does that and nobody can say that except God. What is God saying here? Pastor David mentioned last week that God's name was treated as so holy that even even in english when it was some people in some traditions when they can't even spell out the name god they put g-d the name of yahweh was not really said because it was kept holy i am who i am what does this mean the great i am it means this it means that god is saying god is saying i have no beginning i have no end i just am Meaning this, nobody created me, nobody named me, I am who I am, I am self-existent, I am uncreated, I am set apart, and I cannot be fathomed or understood by any human being. I am God, and you are not. Who is it that is sending me, that is sending Moses? It's the great I am. A theological word I kind of want to teach that I learned in seminary, I like this word, that describes is called the aseity of God, A-S-E-I-T-Y, the aseity of God, and Webster's Dictionary says this, I love this, the absolute self-sufficiency, independence, and autonomy of God, the aseity of God. In other words, God is set apart and there's none like Him. He stands alone, and I'd like to use this term, this describes God's transcendence transcendence. From where you are, can you say transcendence? He is so set apart. He is so holy. This is who God is. God is both imminent and imminent means close. Imminent means God, Emmanuel. God with us. God relates with us. Our Father means God is Imminent. He's with us. But also, God is transcendent. He is the great I am. He is both imminent and transcendent. And that's how we should approach Him when we pray. When we emphasize one or the other too much, it affects how we pray. When we emphasize His imminence, how He is Father and He is intimate, which is true, without His transcendence, without His holiness, we'll have a tendency to humanize God and the fear of the Lord will go out the window. When we emphasize His transcendence, His holiness, but we kind of disregard His imminence, His intimacy, the Father's love, what ends up happening is there's a possible lack of intimacy with God. We won't believe that He cares about the things that we care about. We won't believe that He even cares about the things we like, the things we want. We need a balanced view of both. I want to read a couple of scripture. I want, to, I, want to show us this, I want to show us how important God's name is. Hallowing God's name all throughout scripture. Let me read this for us. Exodus 20 verse 7. The command, You shall not take the name of the Lord, the great I am, your God, in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain can you hear the gravity of it leviticus 18:21 you shall not give any of your offering to offer them to molech another god nor shall you profane the name of your god i am the lord leviticus 22:31 to 32 so you shall keep my commandments and do them i am the lord you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the people of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Psalm ninety-six, one and two: Sing to the Lord a new song; sing to the Lord all the earth; sing to the Lord, praise His name. Psalm one, fifteen, one: Not to us, O Lord. Not to us but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Nehemiah nine five. Blessed be your glorious what? Name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. That's just a few I named. The emphasis of hallowing the name of God is interspersed all throughout the whole Bible. And it all accumulates to this as Jesus is saying, pray like this, hallowed be your name. It's not just a simple phrase, but it's packed with meaning. It's packed all throughout the Old Testament as well. Um, These days on Netflix, um, there is this uh, documentary. I would say that it's one of my favorite documentaries of all time. I could watch it again and again. And this, doc, doc, this documentary is called The Last Dance. The Last Dance. And it's about the life and career of initials MJ. When I say MJ, what comes to mind? Jackson. Michael Jackson? <laughs> Michael Johnson? No. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. The Last Dance was about his career, his accomplishments, and how through his talents and through his six championships... He was able to make a powerful name for himself. There are nicknames for Michael Jordan in his career. And by the way, when I say this, um, I'm not trying to paint Michael Jordan as God. But it's just, you know, we all know that. I just have to say it, I spell it out, right, for those who don't know. But a nickname such as his greatness. Nicknames such as his airness. When you think of his greatness, his airness, you know, we're not trying to deify Michael Jordan, but it's just saying that he is amazing at what he does. And also, Michael Jordan is the undisputed GOAT, G-O-A-T, meaning the greatest of all time. It's, it's, okay, some people say it's debatable, but I'm saying right now, he is the GOAT, the greatest of all time, and he has earned this nickname. Throughout his career, he made a name for himself. His fame and his influence has gotten him to the point where there are so many people around the world representing his name. September 9th, 1997, the brand name Jordan kicked off. For those who love Michael Jordan, you you, you probably know that he has a long line of shoes, long line of apparel, And there's so much to that name, Michael Jordan. In 1997, what happened was Michael Jordan, when he began his brand, he handpicked five NBA players coming into the league. I'll say their names. Ray Allen, Derek Anderson, Eddie Jones, Michael Finley, Vin Baker. These are called the original Team Jordan. And what happened was Michael Jordan picked these five players to officially begin to wear the brand Jordan on the court and off the court. When they were picked to represent that Jumpman logo, this is a quote I'll read from this article. It says this, Jordan, okay, remember, Jordan's not God. It says this quote, Jordan is interesting. The Alpha and Omega of the basketball universe at the time had handpicked and created an eclectic group of players in his own image to put on for the new brand. The goal was to hopefully find athletes that had a little bit of Michael in them. In our mind, Michael was the greatest at what he did. And he was great because he did so many things really well. This is said by the former former Jordan brand product director, Gentry Humphrey. And Derek Anderson, one of the five, he said this, And all five share the same sentiments. He said, everyone brought something different, but everyone brought something from him. Everything from us was an entity of Michael Jordan. It's almost like we were his kids. Like every kid has genes from his parents, we were a genetic build of him. Very extreme statements, right? Especially for those churchgoers who think that, you know, we're trying to, you know exalt michael jordan and whatnot my point is this michael jordan built a name for himself and he began to choose people to represent his name on the court and they would say things like this can you imagine i mean can you imagine being chosen by michael jordan to rock his brand on the court And, and these people said stuff like this i better represent him well i better be like mike on the court Other names that took on this name: Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Luca Doncic, Zion Williamson. For the basketball fans, I'm just saying these names for you guys, because we miss basketball these days, right? I say all this to remind us that although this analogy falls very short, falls very short of the truth that I'm about to share. I'd like to remind us of this extraordinary truth that, as followers of Christ. We represent his name. We represent his name. The difference, there's a lot of differences. Let me just point out one. The difference is this. You and I, we are chosen to represent. But we sure don't bring any merit to be chosen. Like those five, they have something to show. They brought merit to the table to represent Jordan Brand. But when God chooses you and I, what merit do we have to bring? Matter of fact, we don't bring merit. We bring demerit. We bring our demerit. And God still chooses us to represent His name. He still allows us to wear His name, to be His ambassadors. He continues to pour out His mercies. Day by day, let your name be honored and revered. Hallowed be your name. That's what it means. Allow me to remind us a little bit of who we represent. If you think Michael Jordan is big and all these commentators are saying terms like the great, his greatness, his earnest and all this stuff. This is God we're talking about. Some names of God revealing his character and who he is. Yahweh the great I am Adonai our lord Elohim the creator godhead in the beginning El Roy the god who sees me when he revealed himself to Hagar El Shaddai god almighty El Olam everlasting god Jehovah Jireh god my provider Jehovah Rapha god who heals Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner, the God of the angel armies. Esh Oklah, consuming fire. El jealous God. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Roy, God my shepherd. El Elyon, God most high. Abba, Father. The Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end, just to name a few. I'm only scratching the surface to share just a few names to represent who God is, the great I am. As I list this, how do you guys feel? How do you guys feel when we know this truth, that God represents our name, that we represent God's name? I want to say this quote by John Piper. This is amazing. I like to think of the biblical revelation of God as a tip of an iceberg floating in an ocean of mystery. 90% of God's majesty lies beneath the surface of revelation. And the tip of the iceberg revealed in scripture is so high that it extends out of sight into the clouds beyond anyone's ability to comprehend it fully. Only a tenth of his character is given to us in this age for our contemplation. And even this is so great that we will never exhaust its riches. This name, the great I am, we only know a 10% of it. And even that, we could dwell on it for generations upon generations. We represent this name. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? It means when we pray, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. What we're praying is this: God, I have fallen short once again. I have fallen short once again. Another character, another not character, another MBA player, um, the late Kobe Bryant. He also built a name for himself. He also has a shoe line. Uh, actually, my favorite basketball shoes to wear is Kobe Bryant's shoes. Uh, Pastor David, his favorite player is Kobe Bryant. He thinks he's the goat. Anyways, there's a story that was shared. Uh, There's a story that was shared. Oh, I think, right? There's a story that was shared after the passing of Kobe Bryant. One of his teammates, his name was Lou Williams. And Lou Williams shared this story. Kobe was so intense and so competitive that there was a time when the team played Portland Trailblazers. And they lost so bad. And Kobe was so angry Right after the game in the locker room, Kobe Kobe looked at his team, the Lakers, and said this. Every single one of you guys wearing my shoes right now, take them off. He took everyone wearing his shoes and he threw them away. And he says, "You guys are not worthy to wear these shoes." <laughs> That's intense, right? That's intense. It's kind of mean, yeah, I guess. Why did Kobe do that? The point is, he didn't feel that people can represent the tenacity, the intensity, representing the game of Kobe. Why I'm sharing this is this. Honestly, we are those players. We are those players. God has every right. God has every right to say, you have profaned my name. I'm going to take that identity from you. But no. God pours out his mercy upon mercy upon mercy. Hallowed be your name. As we pray this together, let us remember that in our prayers, before we ask for all these prayer requests, before we ask for our daily bread, before we even ask his kingdom come, his will be done, before we even ask for our needs and deliverance from temptation, and forgiveness of our sins, and all these things that benefit us, before we get to that long list, because if you're like me, we approach God immediately like that. Jesus is teaching us. How about we approach Him, praying, Lord, before I get to this list, hallowed be Your name. Let Your name be central and supreme in my life. Because when we do that, it ought to change how we approach the prayer request that we think we should pray. Yeah. Hollow His name in prayer. Hallow His name in our speech. In Colossians 4, 6, it says, We honor God's name by speaking blessings. As when Paul said, Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. When we speak life, when the words of our mouth, and out of the overflow of our heart, when we speak words of life, words that glorify God, we are hollowing His name. We are representing His name. Hollowing His name in our prayer, hollowing His name in our speech, and hollowing His name in our living. If I pray for God's name to be treated as holy, as we often recite, hollow be thy name, yet have no regard for manifesting holiness in my life, I am a hypocrite. And I'll be the first one to say, I am a hypocrite. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's why here's my last point. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, enter in with confidence as His child. Father, Abba, Father, and we pray in our hearts, hallowed be Your name. When we pray for ourselves, when we pray for our community, when we pray for the nations, let Your holy name be magnified in my life. Let your holy name be magnified in this nation. Let your holy name be magnified in this community. Be lifted higher and higher. You must increase. And when we're praying that petition, as we're praying this, do you know what action must take place as we're praying this? It's repentance. Because when we pray this, we realize, if we really think about it, We've exalted, we have exalted our own names. We have tendencies, because of our sin nature, to exalt other names. We turn to idols. And we don't live as if God is with us, literally right with us. And we say things and we do things and our sin nature kind of takes over and we profane the name of the Lord. When we pray, Hallow be thy name, what we're doing is, Lord, I repent. I turn away from my idols once again. I turn away from these names that I lift up once again. And I'm praying and I'm asking, Holy Spirit, help me live a life where it's your name that is glorified and honored in my life, in my prayer, in my speech, in my living, in all that I am. Let your name be hallowed. I repent. That's my last point. I'm going to lead. I'm going to read this last point of scripture. And it's funny because a year ago, um, a year ago when God was doing a work in me, in my heart, I preached on what it means to guard your heart. And as as I was preparing the message, I was like, oh wow, I, I, I mentioned this a year ago. It's the passage in Ezekiel when he talks about how the spirit of God, when he's saying that, I will make your heart of stone a heart of flesh. I will give you a new heart. I remember preaching that last year. Saying that God will give you a new heart when we approach Him in repentance. And I looked at that passage again, and let me just read it for us. I'm not gonna preach it, I'm just gonna read it for us. And let's see the context of this passage in Ezekiel chapter 36, 19 through 27. It says this. I scattered them. God disciplines as a father, God disciplines his his children. As a father, he says, I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed through the countries. In accordance with their ways and their deeds, I judged them. But when they, but when they came to the nations, wherever they came, here it is, they profaned my holy name. In and that, in that people said of them, these are the people of the Lord. And yet, they had to go out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, says God, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. When through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. And feel the mercy here, guys. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Amen. You see in this passage, the people of God turn from, turn away from God, disobeying the commandment again and again and again and again, profaning His name again and again and again and again. And, again. and God pours out His mercy, even today, in Jesus teaching us how to pray. Let the name of God not be profane. Let the name of God be made holy in my life. And I'm going to ask Pastor David, praise him to come up. It's funny how during the offering time, uh, I didn't know that he was going to do this, but Pastor David sang um, before the throne of God above. We're not going to sing that right now, but I just want to point out, he sang that song as an offering and it caught my attention, that verse. And it hit my heart so hard when he when he when we sang, "My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart." God has regarded your name and my name to be holy. God knows your name, and God thinks your name is valuable to the point where. Your name and my name was graven on His hands. When we receive the revelation of how powerful and how undeserving that was for us, when we realize that more and more, we can't help but to pray, hallowed be Your name. Hallowed be Your name in my life, God. Hallowed be your name in this nation where your name is being profaned all over the place. Your name is being profaned in the church. Your name is being profaned all across this earth. I'm praying, God, in my life, in my community, in my family, in my nation, let your name be honored. Give us the fear of the Lord. Would your name reign supreme, God? That is what it means to pray, hallowed be your name. Let's pray together. Actually, before, I'm not going to close in prayer. I'm going to invite you to take a minute or two. I want to invite you, in view of God's mercy, in view of His kindness, Let's take some time to repent of the idols of our hearts. Let's take some time to turn back to the Lord and repent of the times we have profaned His holy name. And at the same time, ask for grace. Pour out your grace, God. Help me. Why don't we pray? Why don't you pray? Hallow be Thy name in my life. Let Your name be honored and glorified in my life. In all that I do, in all that I say. Because we can't do it. Give me a new heart. Turn this heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Pour out your spirit once again. Let's pray that together.